think truthfully, it's mostly around our personal life. Like when we're feeling stress from the business, it's not that we're arguing necessarily about the business or snapping at each other when it comes to the business. It's more, it's more about personal life and things that are happening in our life. Welcome back to Tiny Seed Tales, a series where I follow a founder through their struggles, victories, and failures as they build their startup. I'm your host, Rob Walling. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Tiny Seed, the startup accelerator designed for SaaS bootstrappers. We're back with Brian and Scotty, co-founders of Gather. In the last couple episodes, we've been focusing on how they're taking their product upmarket. And today, we're going to dive into the stress that comes with that and how it shows up in their personal lives. Moving up market from one customer segment to another is hard. Each customer segment is like an island with a body of water between them. For Gather, they're crossing that body of water from servicing one- and two-person teams to serving larger architecture firms with 20-person teams. But crossing that water between the islands is the hard part because you're stuck in an in-between space where you have the real potential to disappoint both customer segments. In order to attract the new customers they want to serve, Scotty has been reaching out to the larger teams that are existing customers to ask for testimonials. There's tremendous power in the social proof of testimonials, and it's an approach you should explore as early as possible when trying to move into a new segment of the market that's unfamiliar with your company. We were working on reaching out to some of our teams that we have currently that are customers that we wanted to get success stories from. And so we've we've done that. We just got all three. We have three and we just got them all back. Um, so we're going to get ready to incorporate those onto our site, um, which is really exciting because now when these teams that we're trying to um, speak to come to our site, they won't see you know, the solopreneur residential designer, they'll see these architecture teams that are that are using us and finding value. And we're also asking those those companies for if we can use their logo on our website. And uh, so far, I've gotten a yes from one of them. I'm waiting to hear back from the other two. So that's really exciting and getting us one step closer to speaking to those teams. I'll just kind of piggyback on that thing. I've been working with a consultant that's also an interior architect. She's been kind of helping just craft the messaging and the positioning messaging on the website specifically, and then we'll extend that out into bottom of the funnel type content. But so so along with those new customer success stories, which we'll have on the website and have as assets that we can, you know, direct traffic to, the website now speaks, we think, better to the to the ideal customer avatar that we're we're shooting for. So that was kind of a success. And we continue to tighten that and make that better and better and add add more content to it. So I think that one of the reasons why trials are kind of a little bit lower this month is because some of the traffic that we've been getting is probably more geared towards the residential side and they're seeing this new messaging. So that's maybe the downside of it. But I think on the upside of it, those people who are ideal customers will see the messaging and feel like it's written for them rather than written for the residential. And so I think that's, that's a lot better because the, the small residential designers look up more to the commercial designers. So they might see gather and go aspire to be far enough along in their business to use gather. And then, but the commercial designers, if they were seeing messaging written towards the solopreneurs, they would be turned off and they would feel like this is a product that's 
too prosumer for me rather than something that I can really like hang my business on. Yeah, this is the hard part of that process of going up market, right? Is that you have two islands, a body of water in between them, and it's messaging and sales process and pricing and positioning and all that around going after one person, two person teams versus a 10 person team. And those are the two different islands. And it's like, can you straddle those islands such that you don't completely, because it takes months to get from one to the other to where you do have product market fit and positioning and messaging and pricing for the upmarket folks, for the larger teams that you can charge more, but the whole, all that has to change. And if you just up and changed everything overnight, you would flatline or you would decline and you're in that process of trying to balance it. So I, I can imagine, I mean, that, that really is a big, that's a, it's a big thing to undertake. A lot of companies do it, but it's, it's not easy. And I, I have to imagine that's part of all the uncertainty that that you're feeling right now is you're not just thinking, hey, our our product is here, our pricing's, we know it's good, our numbers are good, we just need more leads, right? That's the typical, you want to get there. You want to get to where you need more leads because that's one problem to solve. But right now it feels like you're trying to solve four or five different variable problems all at once to try to make this move. That has to be hard. Yeah, you nailed it. That's totally how it feels. It just feels like juggling all these plates and like trying to get really clear and Scotty and I getting aligned on like the most important ones to really focus on. So we're running multiple experiments, but we're trying to get better at spacing them out so we can like reflect and analyze the impact of the experiment. But that that oftentimes takes like two to four week cycles at least to run each experiment. And so you can go months <laughs> And that's where the cash flow management gets stressful because it's like if oh we can't just afford to like go four months and not improve the, the MRR. Brian mentioned a few things that we're going to dive into. One is cash flow management and trying to figure out how much runway you have. But the one we'll dive into first are the experiments they're running to attract this new customer segment. Right now, Brian and Scotty are running a cold email experiment to connect with larger teams. You know, we just started this cold email. And um, in the beginning, you know, the first week or two was really slow. We didn't have a whole lot of demos. But the last two weeks and from what I can see for next week, we're, we're at about averaging, you know, 12 to 15 demos a week, which is huge. I mean, our, I think our initial goal was just to get to at least 10. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we're really, really excited that, yeah. you know, we're able to produce so many to get to so many demos with with just the cold email. Right. I agree. I mean that's that that shows some results, some traction and that's um finding one repeatable channel at your stage is huge and that can take you well into, you know, six figures or or even low seven figures depending on how well it, it delivers. So that's super exciting. How have have you tried cold email in the past and it had had or hadn't worked or is this the first time? No, we've tried cold email in the past, and truthfully, it's it's always been the channel that has worked the best for us. I have to say that it feels like this time it's producing more more interest and more demos. And I don't know if I don't think that we're necessarily shipping more emails than we have. Brian Brian is sort of the the master of the cold email, so he he will be able to say if we're shipping more or not. But when we were doing our cold email outreach before, it was mostly to 
the residential designers, you know, the solo residential designers. I, I definitely did not feel like we were getting as many demos. And the other thing that I found really interesting is that the demos that we are getting are with these larger teams, these architecture firms, and they always show up. We've had two reschedules and and no no flakes, <laughs> no people that just didn't show up. And that's, for me, that's, that's huge because it's very frustrating when I plan my day around demos and half of them don't even show up. Yeah. Yeah. You're seeing that, that dichotomy. I mean, you know, there's, there's a big thing at MicroConf where it's like most businesses, if you start off B2C, you wind up trying to get to B2B eventually. And typically you start off as B to really small B and eventually you'd want to raise your prices because pricing doesn't just make you more money, but it gets you to a different type of clientele. They're more professional, they churn less, they're less price sensitive, and they show up for appointments. There, there's they there's do. more to it, but that's that's good to hear. Yeah, it's been really, really interesting because I kind of always expect that, you know, at least one in my day won't show up, but they've all been showing mm. up. It feels really, feels like a huge win, you know, just, just to have the whole day show yeah. up, <laughs> all the demos that's that cool. day. And, and have the demos gone well? Like are people, you know, starting trials, converting? What, what info do you have there or sense? What sense do you have there is a better way to say it? Well, so, so that's, that's the the point where we're sort of scratching our heads a little bit. Um, we haven't had as many demo to trial as we normally do. And I'm trying to figure out if that's because they feel like we're not, you know, quite there for them as far as features that we're mislocking in some things. And so that's why they're not signing up for a trial. But I suspect just from speaking with them, because I would say, Every now and then I get pushback, you know, some people that say, you know, this is a deal breaker that you don't have X feature. But most of the time they're, they're like, oh, this is, this is great. And, you know, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that it seems like we have, that we do have product market fit with the feature set that we already have with a lot of these firms. I haven't heard a lot of pushback from, from most of them. But I think the reason why we're not seeing the demo to trial as much as we were before is because it's a longer process with them. You know, they, they're not necessarily the ones that are, you know, that have the, the, the purse strings. <laughs> so they, they don't necessarily have the, the ability to purchase software or things like that. So they're a little more hesitant to jump into a trial because they need to talk to higher ups and say, is this okay? And they don't want to waste the trial, you know, if they jump in too early and they're not quite ready with a project yet. So I just feel like we're going to see that that's a little bit of a longer process than, than usually when we do a demo and the, you know, solo designers excited about it, they hang up and literally jump in the trial as soon as we hang, they hang right. up. And I'm finding with these teams, they're not doing that as much. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that is as you go up market, the sales cycles become longer, you know, because as you said, there are more decision makers person on the phone often doesn't have the credit card or the ability to to plunk down you know 12 whatever a thousand bucks for for a year of service brian mentioned cash flow management earlier and that's one thing that's been keeping him awake at night later you'll hear how it's affected their personal life but first i asked brian about his low point over the past few weeks there's not like a specific incident that that's happened that was like that felt really low. I think just sort of my ongoing existing stress is just around like the gap between us trying new things. We're trying several new things sort of at once. 
like Scotty went into, we've been running the cold email campaign, which seems promising, but it's a little too early to tell because there's always sort of a lag behind that to be able to analyze the numbers uh, effectively. We had a really good month last month, uh, the, the best month we've ever had. But this month, is, despite all the tr uh, the demo stuff, our trial count is still lower than we'd like. And so I think, you know, in our projections going forward, like looking at the, the cash flow of the business and sort of the channels that we're expecting to perform for us, those numbers haven't aligned to our expectations yet. And we know that there's a crossover period. So for me, like the biggest stress is just around like, are we, are the channels that we're investing in going to perform like we want them to? And are the firms that we're trying to sign, are they actually going to sign and, and how long? So I think long story short, like my biggest sort of just general, general stress is around cash flow management and making sure that like we can make this sort of crossover in time before we run out of money and how do we sort of conserve resources versus how do we spend them. So that's not like a specific thing. It's just this this ongoing stress that I've had over the last month of sort of uncertainty, I guess. It comes back, I think, to the uncertainty that you're facing going up market, right? First, you have to figure out if you have product market fit with teams, then you have to find a channel or two that works. And if the channels work, do the people stick around? And can you find enough people who sign up and stick around can you find them fast enough with the channels you have such that you don't run out of cash? And there's, that's a lot to manage. That's a lot of, of, of plates that you're spinning you know, as, as a founder. I'm curious, you know, a lot of other folks who listening to this are, you know, have been through this or are going through it. But I'm curious in your head, you know, A, how long, do, how long is your runway at your current spend? And what happens if you run out of money? What is that? What is that? Because that's a, that's always the worst case in our heads, right? But what what would happen if you were, you know, if you had sixty days of cash in the bank or whatever? What would you do at, at that point? Yeah, that's a good question. I think about that an awful lot. At the current, probably more than you should. <laughs> yeah, probably more than I should. <laughs> I know you've always encouraged me to, you know, spend like spend on experiments, see if they work, pull back if they don't, and not try to project too far into the future because it's impossible to read. My nature is to kind of like project too far into the future and try to anticipate how the ABC of scenarios like A being excellent and B being disastrous. So, I mean, right now I'd say at our current spend, we're spending a lot right now. And I think we've kind of determined it's probably too much realistically to continue given this gap that we have to, this this chasm that we have to cross, I guess, between our previous customers and these 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 new, more desirable ones. We probably, if we were to continue at the same pace that we're going now, we probably have six months of cash in the bank. So we're looking to, we're looking to extend that out. So, so the way that, like, we we have to keep the email campaign going. That costs a certain amount every month because we're, we have our our assistant, you know, handling the email management a lot, and that's taking 20, 30 hours of of time off my plate every week. And then we have like the the list building activities, and that costs money. Where we probably you know, where, where we probably will wind up making some cuts is on the product side, because although like I see a lot of opportunity to build some really cool stuff that I think could have a super big impact on the industry, it's going to take a long time to build that stuff. And I think we would, we, we could possibly like die in the meantime. So I think what we have tentatively decided to do is to kind of pull the reins back a bit on development 
and just focus on getting this this chasm crossed and finding these channels and then if we can get those channels going at a sustainable rate then like plug the development back into it so so yeah i i think if we do that like we can have essentially infinite runway yeah that's uh, paul graham calls that default alive yes. where if if you don't do anything else your your bills are paid and you don't go out of business versus default dead and once you're default alive you can revolutionize any industry you want cuz you're just you're you know you're just there to 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 be alive basically i mean you're there you have inf as you said infinite runway i think is the operative phrase there and at that point you have so much more optionality yeah absolutely and to to your second second part of your question which was i believe was like what would you do if if we were sort of in a pinch or we were, we had 60 days of cash left in the bank I don't know if this is right or wrong, but the way I've been thinking about this is like, oh, like if we got to that point, what are our options? Like, A, we can just, we can pull back entirely. Uh, we can stop spending entirely and just go back to the, the hustle and stay alive. So I don't think we're at risk of like completely dying, but we would have to cut back tremendously. But I think what, I, what I've been thinking about a lot lately is some, some debt equity if it comes to that or some debt financing rather. So if we got to that point where we were like, you know, at a certain MRR, I'm pretty convinced that we could get a l of the, enough funding to get us through the gap or a little bit of a debt. So that's, that's an option as a fallback. If like, if we want to be more aggressive and spend and we see the opportunity to spend, but then we start to see the, the cash flow run out, like, I think we could then fall back on some of that debt financing. I'm not going to dive into debt financing because that's a whole other episode. Just know that it's one of many options Brian and Scotty have at their disposal, and it may or may not end up being the right one. Founders do all sorts of things to maintain their runway, including credit card debt, personal loans, raising funding, even borrowing from their 401k. But with each of these, you have to weigh the risks to the business as well as your personal financial situation. As I listened to Brian, I realized that on a personal level, he was experiencing stress just from the day-to-day -day decisions they were having to make and worrying about things like, when will we run out of money? This is something that all founders deal with, but Brian and Scotty are also married. So stress from their business can often spill over into their personal lives. You know, lately I feel like we're obviously, Scotty and I are married and co-founders, and sometimes that situation gets a little tense because you know it's like we're dealing with we're constantly wrapped up into the business and we're both stressed about it and we're both feel a little back against the wall in the scenario that we've manifested for ourselves and sometimes that comes out as you know we snap at each other a little bit more than we should or we just get frustrated with each other maybe more than we would than we would have if we were running a business together so that's one thing, that's one downside of the stress is like Scotty and I have to manage and reconcile like, you know, disagreements or frustrations with each other. Yeah, that has to be hard. I can only imagine. Uh, I haven't done that, but it would be, I have to imagine that's a huge layer of complexity on top of that. Scotty, how does the stress manifest in you? Is it easier for me to ask you how the stress manifests in Brian? What are, what are their symptoms? Because often it's the other person that knows better, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's right. And and, and I, in the way that we communicate with each other is a little bit, a little bit more sharp and maybe less patient. I think for both of us, 
it's just, you know, shorter when we respond to things or um, maybe not taking the time to, to sit down and like, you know, really have a, a, a conversation about something that we're feeling stressed about. We just sort of ignore it for a time being and maybe not try to stir the pot, you know, so it's more about maybe we don't want to talk about something because we don't want to have that conversation. And so I, I don't know, it's, it's, I think for me, it's also about, you know, trying to exercise and get good sleep and also just think about the stress that's in our life right now is sort of temporary. And it's not because we don't love each other. It's not because we're, you know, unhappy in the situation. It's just that the the situation causes us to feel a little bit on edge and we have no one else to take it out on. And we're with each other all day, all the time. <laughs> so it, it, it manifests itself in kind of sharp snippy ways sometimes. I'll just add one, one thing to that too. It's like on the personal side, I mean, obviously we've been talking about the business finances and runway and stuff, but you know, prior to really doubling, doubling down on gather, you know, I was doing consulting and I was pretty successful at it and we were making quite a bit of money. And so we didn't have personal budget restrictions for, for all intents and purposes. And so, you know, we weren't going crazy and we're not really materialistic people, but we certainly didn't blink when it came to like going out to a nice dinner or going on a trip or doing sort of things. And, and now we're being much more conscious of our personal spending. And so I think that has also manifested itself just a little bit in some additional stress because we're really tracking all of our expenses really tightly and we're making sure that we don't spend foolishly. And there's been a couple of, <laughs> there's been a couple of little, you know, I think tense moments just because we're trying to figure out how to make that work and lower our lifestyle a bit. It sounds like you guys are thinking about it the right way. And this, this is something that you can't escape. Now you, you go through different peaks and valleys of it, more intense times, but I find that every entrepreneur I speak with has some ongoing level of stress all the time. It's, it's elevated stress all the time. And frankly, my wife, Sherry, who is a clinical psychologist and works with startup founders, you know, ha has confirmed that plus plus. I mean, that's, that's kind of her whole job at this point. So there's no, no silver bullet for that, but certainly meditation, exercise, and being aware that you are stressed, those are kind of my top three. You know, is once you're once I'm aware that I am stressed, I always think like, okay, my decision making is going to be clouded. My interactions are going to be not natural because I'm angry or stressed or anxious or whatever. So I think I think that's where you start. Yeah, and I will say like, you know, even though it sounds like we're terribly stressed, and to some degree, and sometimes we we are, it's like I still, you know, the stress that I felt back in corporate land or even doing consulting was personally greater for me because it was this sort of like, I wasn't moving toward like some outcome that was meaningful. And so now, even though there is this sort of stress and there's sort of some existential risk to this experiment that we're running, it also feels aligned with like where I want to go. And I think where Scotty wants to go as a family and as sort of like a, an exit plan from, from work life at some point. And so I wouldn't change anything. Like I'll take this stress over that, that previous stress any day, at least as it stands now. I don't know. I guess if it got like, I know Rob, you've been through some serious stress with drip, but um, 
I guess if it got really, really bad, maybe I'd, maybe I'd feel differently, but it feels manageable right now. As Brian and Scotty continue to swim from one customer island to the other, stress in their business and personal lives is something they've had to learn to manage because it's not something you can easily escape when running a startup. When I speak with them next time, we'll see how they're doing on their journey moving up market and how their marketing experiments are paying off. That's next week on Tiny Seed Tales. Tales.